Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cuno. So Leslie and I this week had a really cool opportunity to go to the Detroit airport and talk to people at Delta. It was such a cool experience, Leslie, wouldn't you say? It was, well, first of all, right, we have to talk about how weird it was to go to the airport and through security and yes. then not get on a plane. I know. <laughs> well, you know, we, we had to stay in the airport all day, but it's fine. So we went through security and we spent the whole day with Delta. So Delta reached out because they want to learn more about our dogs. They want to learn more about our clients. They want to learn more about blindness in general and what they can do to help accommodate. And so it was really cool to hear from them because... They want to help people with disabilities, and that's all disabilities. But we were there to educate, of course, about blindness and guide dogs specifically. Um, but they were so passionate. They mm -hmm. asked questions. So many people showed up. It was kind of like a lunch and learn situation, and the attendance was amazing. Yes. I was blown away by that because when you do those things, you never know who's going to attend. These rooms were filled for both sessions, and they were actually engaged in asking questions. Because sometimes you go and do a presentation somewhere, and, you know, it's a few people, and they just stare at you after. But they, they were asking questions. They were coming up after we had leader dog ambassador dogs, which are basically PR dogs that we can take to events and people can pet them and interact with them, but they can also act as a guide dog if need be. And it was just so cool to see. And uh, Timothy, we actually brought up your travel a bit. We talked about how you're preparing for your trip because you've talked about it on the podcast before. Well, it's nice that they're doing that because, you know, being visually impaired, it is stressful really to take just to go on your own with a dog. I mean, it's stressful for normal people. And to know that an airline out there right now is trying to learn that after all this DOT's changed all the rules for flying and stuff, and we have to do the paperwork before we go. And it's great that Delta's really doing that. I give them a lot of credit for doing that. Uh, that's really good. Yeah, it was exciting. You know, we talked about blindness in general. We talked about the cane and orientation mobility skills. We talked about our guide dogs, things to look for, what to expect from as far as behavior from our guide dogs. Um, what to expect from our clients and how, you know, vision is different and how you assist one person might not be how you assist the other person and to ask what the best accommodations might be. Um, so it was, again, overall just an incredible experience. They were overly accommodating for us as well. Um, but we did talk about Timothy. They were asking, you know, kind of about park schedules. And, of course, they have the relief areas in the, the terminals. Um, which aren't mm -hmm. always the easiest to use, and some dogs don't use them, which we found out. Our yes. three canine ambassadors did not use them, so we had to really get creative and find uh, a way to get outside, which was difficult. And so it gave us a really good perspective of what our clients go through, but it helped Delta even more so understand what our clients go through and the concerns. And so one of the examples, Timothy, that we used from you was how you, you know, even months away from your trip in August, you're already planning, okay, this is what time my flight is, this is what time I have to get to the airport, which means I can park my dog at this time, I can feed them, I can water them, all these different things. And we were saying, now imagine there's a delay. Now I'm at the airport for even longer. And so it really just gave perspective. You could mm -hmm. see everybody like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, and the one thing that they kept asking, like, do they have accidents? Is that normal? And Leslie brought up, you know, if there's a delay and that dog now has not been able to park or relieve itself, park is what we use at Leader Dog, um, for, you know, a eight 
nine hours, it might happen. It's it's still a dog at the end of the day. But, um, I mean, we yeah. could talk about this for hours. So <laughs> I think we just need to get into what we're actually talking about <laughs> on this podcast today. Uh, yes, yes. So uh, just real quick, thank you to Delta for yes. the support, um, for wanting to learn more. We're super excited to be working with them. So today, though, our guest is very exciting. She has attended all three leader dog programs and has been Truly an amazing ambassador and resource for Leader Dog. She has so many accomplishments and stories, but is here today specifically to talk about her experience with the whole guide dog process. Ashley obtained a bachelor's in organizational communications from North Central College. While at North Central, Ashley competed as the first NCAA triathlete with a disability that required sport-specific accommodations And she also advocated for the inclusion of people with disabilities in collegiate sports in the fitness and recreation industries. She has given a TEDx talk and continues to advocate for the inclusion and integration of people with disabilities in the fitness world. Ashley, it's great to finally meet you. And can you tell us a little about yourself? Absolutely. First, thank you so much for having me on the pod. I'm so excited to be here. Um, <laughs> I uh, I live in Chicago. I'm uh, the oldest of triplets. I like to lead with the oldest of triplets because it is a massive point of pride for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, a triathlete and an endurance runner. Um, I've been blind uh, most of my life. I have retinopathy of prematurity. Um, and as Leslie mentioned, I've been through all of Leader Dog's programming. That is amazing. I love that you added you're the oldest triplet. My <laughs> husband is a twin and I do, that is, it's like a point of pride to be the first one out, I guess. <laughs> People always ask. So I've just started to like lead with it. Yeah. Beat them to the punch. I think that's great. Well, you, you can say she won her first race. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you started go. that young. <laughs> You knew then you were going to be competitive, I guess. I guess so. That is hilarious. Well, thank you for being with us today. We're so excited. We would just want to talk about your experience, of course, with vision loss and with leader dogs specifically. Um, But do you mind just telling us how your vision loss has impacted you throughout your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So retinopathy of prematurity, I was diagnosed with it um, at birth. Uh, Because we were triplets, we were born super premature about 26 and a half weeks and lived a very active life. My sisters both have the same eye condition. We experience substantially different degrees of vision loss, mine being the most uh, severe, but had a really active life. Had parents that really encouraged me to try um, as many things I wanted to. Um, I had a very short-lived softball career, uh, learned that ball sports probably aren't for me, um, and thankfully found running um, in high school. Um, Started running half marathons, um, ran my first marathon in college, um, all with sighted guides, lost a bet, had to do a triathlon, um, learned how to do that as a blind person. Um, and really have just used uh, sport and fitness to kind of help navigate some of the day-to-day challenges that come with uh, not seeing. And so you and your triplets, you said, all have the same diagnosis. What was that like growing up with them and going through this? I know you said you have different variations. Um, Were you guys able to kind of lean on each other in that sort of things growing up? Yeah, it's it's interesting because it was never really like a huge topic in the family. It just kind of was what it was. And I think having two other siblings that had 
not identical, but similar experiences kind of lended itself to just being like a normal part of life growing up and life now as an adult. Um, but yeah, especially now kind of as we're older and we've all kind of gone off and we're doing different things. Um, it's definitely nice to be able to kind of like call them and like run things by each other and troubleshoot and brainstorm. It's interesting the connection that like twins and triplets have. Like I think about my husband and sometimes or randomly we had situations where they buy like the same exact shirt, but like at different (laughs) times and they have no idea and they'll show up to an event and be wearing it. Does that kind of stuff happen to you? I know this is completely off topic. I just find it so interesting. (laughs) No, totally. Um, Growing up, I would get so annoyed because um, we all had our own rooms. We, like, added an addition to our house. Um, And so we'd come out to, like, go to school, and Kaylee would be like, I just need you to know that we're wearing the same shirt. And I'm like, one of us has to go change. And it's not going to be me. So You're like, I'm the oldest. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we we can't do this. That's so funny. So at what age did you start using the cane? And did your siblings start at the same time you started using the cane? Great question. So um, I was introduced to the cane um, in kindergarten, so at age five. And at that point in my journey with uh, vision loss, it was a support to my existing functioning. So I was not a full-time cane user at the time. It was really important that I learned those um, O&M skills from a young age, um, just not knowing the projection of um, kind of where my vision would land. Um, My siblings uh, weren't uh, introduced to um, the cane at all. Um, one of my sisters actually uh, drives, she has a driver's license, uh, like very minimal uh, visual impairment. Um, and the other one uh, was introduced to one um, prior to going to college, just as um, kind of in like a support capacity, should she need it for identification or should she find herself in a situation like at night where she felt she'd be more comfortable with it. I didn't start using a cane full time um, until my senior year of high school, actually, as a result of um, coming to Leader Dog for O&M. Leslie spent an entire week convincing me that um, (laughs) the cane was an extension of my body and something that should go everywhere I went. Um, It's something that I told myself every day of senior year because I knew um, I had gone to the O&M program at Leader Dog with the goal, and I had told Leslie day one, I was like, I want to be able to go away to college. I want to be independent. And using the cane is the only way that that's going to be able to happen safely. And um, so that was like the deal we made at the end of O&M. And I used it every day of senior year and have now traveled all over with it. That is really cool, Ashley. I'm over here a little bit tearing up. Uh, <laughs> that's so that's so cool to hear. Um, and that was a very impactful for week for me as well. Uh, just to give a little backstory of Ashley and I, uh, we go way back. So we Ashley do. was um, a senior counselor at camp my first year at Leader Dog as an intern. Um, so we met several several years ago. I think that's almost nine years ago at this point, oh which gosh. is insane. Um, and so I met Ashley and I've kind of followed her story and her journey and she's just incredible and doing all sorts of amazing things. And then I got to work with her for O&M, which we had so much fun. And we've had Shannon on the podcast yeah. previously. Um, and she was obviously there with you. And so, you know, the four of us along with the other O&M intern had such a great week and just. I love Shannon. Right. I, I mean, you guys are both just wonderful and I've absolutely loved following both of you because you're doing so many things, but. 
So besides O and M, because I know we're uh, here to talk about your guide dog experience, yes. uh, we could talk about all the other stuff, and I think we might at another time get into it. Uh, do you mind just sharing your journey with the whole guide dog experience at Leader Dog? Kind of what happened, how, when, why? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my first two years of college, I stayed close to home. I lived at home and um, commuted with my sisters. Uh, we went to the same like community college. I then transferred um, to a school right outside of Chicago. Um, spent my junior year of college on campus learning how to navigate it and um, kind of navigating living alone and away from home for the first time. Realizing that um, I think I wanted uh, different um, travel support than what my cane offered me and um, kind of starting to explore uh, guide dog travel and what that could look like and um, leader dog had already done so much for me it was a natural next step to kind of connect with uh, you all again and inquire about um, a guide dog and coming in for class um, so that happened the summer between my junior and senior year of college i came in for class i was um Super excited, super anxious. Um, I'm sure clients tell you all the time like what their cl first class experience is like. Um, and was matched with a dog. Um, so excited, uh, loved her, she was great. Um, we started off really strong in class. Um, we're having really good experiences. Um, really just kind of fully embracing the process. Um, as class continued, um, we started to kind of encounter some issues uh, working together. She was having some health issues that were impacting her work. We weren't really sure what was going on. We tried a lot of different things, trouble, um, spent a lot of time troubleshooting, had a ton of meetings, um, and ultimately decided that it, it wasn't a great match, um, that we weren't kind of the right pace for each other. I'm a very fast walker. Yeah. Um, I can <laughs> only imagine yes, that you, you are. are a fast walker. <laughs> you are a very fast walker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this dog uh, did better with someone that um, had a slightly more casual walking pace. <laughs> um, and so ultimately, I left class early without a dog. Um, and that was not really something that I had anticipated. You know, like I had heard that that could be a possibility. And obviously, as it was looking more and more like my reality, my GDMIs, um, you know, met with me and we talked about it and what it would mean and all of that. Um, and yeah, so I had gone to class expecting to come home uh, with a dog and uh, left early without one, um, which was challenging uh, in its own right, but I had been pretty private about um, the decision and the process up until that point. And so it wasn't like I had a ton of people to kind of inform or update on the matter. Um, I just, I went back to my parents and uh, house for the rest of the summer and really just kind of jumped back into um, summer. I hadn't planned a ton because of um, the guide dog class and wanting to give you know plenty of time for acclimation, um, but ended up just filling my summer with like races and um, some trips and stuff to kind of make the most out of um, what ended up being a, a bit of an unideal situation. And so what was that like going home? Did you ever think like, maybe I wanna go back and get another guide dog at all during that time period? Yeah, so the intention was um, to go back. When I, when we knew that it wasn't gonna work, 
Um, and we were at the point in class where we really didn't have time to re like introduce a new dog. Um, I, I basically was like, well, I have like a holiday break in December. Um, my school is on trimesters instead of semesters. So I was off basically from Thanksgiving to New Year's. And I was like, if like an opportunity presents itself, like I could potentially come in for like the last class of the year. Um, and so that was kind of the line of thinking. Um, they didn't have a match for me then. Um, so we kind of looked ahead to the next summer. And I was like, it's a little bit less ideal. It's like the summer after senior year. Like I don't know necessarily what my future looks like, but like I really, really enjoyed guide dog travel. And I knew that it was um, a form of travel that I wanted to, to give another shot and pursue. And so the following summer, about a year, um, 13 months to the date, um, I found myself back in class um, to try again. Uh, I was matched with another great dog, um, a super fast dog. Um, we had a really, really good class experience. Um, we kind of hit all the marks. I really got to experience class. I kind of knew what I was getting into, so it was a bit less stressful this time around. There were still parts of me that were like, we have to remember that there's a chance that this might not work out. Like, you know, we need to embrace the process, but we also need to be realistic. And um, I got to go home with that dog. Um, we uh, started um, kind of our transition back. That part was all super new to me. So I was really excited. I was, you know, sharing the news with my friends and my family because they were gonna, you know, see me with a dog instead of a cane. and. It was great. Um, we got home. Uh, transitioning home is challenging um, <laughs> for every team. Um, I don't think there's enough like preparation in the world that you can do. You just don't know until you're living it. Um, and we had a really difficult transition. Um, we, we started off really strong the first couple weeks um, and slowly the kind of the effectiveness of us as a team kind of started to deteriorate. Um, my dog was experiencing some challenges with um, relief and with distractibility, and I was doing my best to navigate. I was, you know, talking with um, GDMIs pretty regularly, trying to make make things work, and. Um, had an instructor come out and work with us um, for about a week. And um, it just wasn't getting better. I found myself kind of avoiding a lot of the parts of my life that I loved because of the challenges that I was having with travel. And um, we were getting to the point where like, it wasn't realistic to have to work the dog inside because of relief issues. And I was just very limited in what I could do and when I could do it because of it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately kind of made the decision that it wasn't a great match or it wasn't a great time. Um, you know, it, I was living a life that I didn't want to live. I felt less independent than I did um, prior. And ultimately uh, it was decided that like, we just we weren't a good match. Mm -hmm. um, the pup ended up getting career changed um, when um, he went back to leader dog. Um, but yeah, so I've gone through two <laughs> classes now. Um, very different experiences <laughs> in each, but I think really important experiences to talk about.
I want to thank you, first of all, for sharing all of this. I know it's incredibly emotional experiences that you went through. You're being extremely vulnerable with us. Um, and, and going through that is unfortunate. And uh, what you just said, right? Like this does need to be talked about because these experiences do happen. A lot of times we're putting rainbows and, you know, making this sound like it's the easiest process and it always works, but it doesn't. There are times when the match is wrong or there are problems when you get home. You talking about that transition with that dog and starting to park and having trouble um, with relieving itself in inappropriate areas. And then you not being as independent. That's the last thing that we want at Leader Dog exactly. is for you to feel like you can't go home. So one I want to just praise you for recognizing like, hey, this isn't actually benefiting my life and making that tough decision to call and say, you know what, we've tried it. It's not working out. Like, I think that is absolutely incredible. It was such a difficult decision to make, too. Oh, my gosh. I imagine. So how was the transition? I mean, you had your cane skills and then you tried two dogs. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work out. And now you finally figured out, hey, I'm just going to have to use my cane. What is that process like in your mind and your mental, you know, because that would affect me. Just felt like, I mean, it would make me feel bad. So how was that for you? Um, so the the first go around, it was um, challenging just because I was so excited and just didn't, had not really prepared myself at all for the possibility of not coming home with a dog. Um the second time around, by the time everything had been said and done and we'd done all of the retraining and reevaluating and meetings and calls and progress updates um, that we had done to kind of assess um, the dog's kind of uh, fitness and aptitude for work, I was just ready to like get back to traveling, get back to racing, like get back to like feeling confident and independent in my abilities that I, I welcomed um, the consistency that comes from having and using a white cane. Um, it it was a confidence builder for me um, in the sense that like for about six months, I had kind of put my life on hold. Um, and kind of once they, once Leader Dog came and, and picked up the, the second dog, um, it was the first time I kind of felt like I didn't have to do that anymore. And like, I remember uh, they came and picked him up on a Thursday and I um, had purposefully planned to head up to Chicago um, that following weekend um, just to get some space from my family who were obviously sad that the dog had left because he'd been living with me and my parents and my siblings, um, but also to kind of put myself in a situation where I like, got to travel independently and got to kind of re-approach and re-find the independence that I felt I had been lacking. And, you know, you went through this, not once, but twice. What advice would you give someone else who might be feeling the same way or they're considering returning their guide dog? Because not any everyone can make such a big decision like you did. I think one, like lean on people, whether it's family, whether it's folks at Leader Dog, whether it's friends, or whatever guide dog school you might, you know, have the dog from, um, like leaning on people that are able to and capable of kind of supporting you in that process is really important. But I also think, um, and a friend of mine kind of reminded me of this as I was, you know, doing the same, reaching out to friends of mine that used, uh, were guide dog users and had gone through class and similar experiences or completely different experiences is, is, is having this dog helping you live a more independent life or getting you closer to living the life that you kind of envisioned 
this process bringing you? And if the answer is, I don't know or no, then it's really important to reassess what's happening because like for as much as we want it to work, sometimes it just doesn't. And I remember when I kind of made a public announcement about this because I had been very public with the dog at this point and had him long enough Mm -hmm. that um, I said, sometimes things don't work out and there's nothing that we can do to make it better. And the fact that like people don't feel good about it or that we don't feel good about it is okay. Like that's a very natural thing to feel. And I'm allowed to be disappointed in myself. I'm allowed to be disappointed in um, the dog. I'm allowed to be disappointed in the process. Like we get to feel those things and work through them. Absolutely. You're allowed to have all those feelings and it's appropriate to have all those feelings. Um, I just want to say, I thought this was so interesting, Ashley, because, you know, when you and I originally talked about you coming on the podcast, my perspective of what had happened was that you just decided you didn't want a guide dog because I've always seen you as such an independent cane traveler. I thought, oh, she just decided the dog's going to slow her down. It's not, you know, it's just a lifestyle choice. So I'm so appreciative of you kind of one setting my record straight, but two, just sharing (laughs) this story because I think more people are impacted or more people experiences than we, we really talk about. But I also want to say, or ask you a couple of things. One, what does this mean for the future? Is it something that you're considering, you know, tackling or trying again? Um, and then, I, you know what? I forgot my second question. So let's start with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I love, I love it. It'll come to you. Um, I, uh, it, so guide dog travel is still something of interest to me. Um, I'm not currently in a position to uh, make the commitments needed to go through training again. Um, I am finally kind of to the point where like I'm emotionally ready um, for the the opportunity. It wasn't really until recently um, that I was like, oh, like I, I could I could do this again. I would be open to this again. But like currently I live in like less than 300 square feet in downtown Chicago. <laughs> like that's not very conducive to like a large dog. I have a ton going on in my life I I can't like put things um like slow things down or kind of put a few things on hold right now to like give the time needed to train and like acclimate a dog to my environment like it's just not quite the right um time for me not to say that in a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years that that won't change like I'm always open to it Mm -hmm. um but as it stands currently, like I'm really content with how I travel and using um, the white cane. I absolutely love that mindset you have on this. I mean, that is such a such a great thing to have. And I think other people can relate to that as well, because it can be tough. You said it took you till recently to get there. And I can only imagine how busy you are because you're a triathlete. I just want to ask in your professional career, which we're going to have to dive into in another episode because you're doing (laughs) such incredible things there as well. Yes. And I just have to ask really fast, how many races do you do like a year? (laughs) We said we weren't going to talk about it. I just want to ask it one, just one question. (laughs) Uh, Triathlon specifically five to six. Um, I probably run like four to five, just like running races too. I like to keep busy. 
Yeah. I like to think it's because we got started, Ashley, at camp when we were trying to tandem run inside of a hula hoop together. I'm just imagining that's where this really all bloomed. I mean, the the cycling. Is there a video of that? (laughs) I wish. There might be, actually. Um, The cycling did. I rode my first tandem at camp, actually. I think that's really what, like, started triathlon, like, planted the seed of triathlon for me. I think this is such a great teaser to another episode that we're going to have to try to schedule in your busy, busy, busy schedule to find time again, because I want to talk about all of your athletics. I want to talk about your career and the impact that you're making there. But of course, we are out of time, unfortunately. But Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your experience. And thank you for still believing in Leader Dog. I think that's so important. Obviously, I hope everybody can tell we have such a great relationship with you. Uh, We call you all the time for different things. We always are asking you to share your experience and tell your story. So thank you really for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you everyone for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about Ashley's experience. Please join us next week as we continue to learn about the blindness journey. Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. Now, don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.